Live from Los Angeles, this is L.A. Talk Radio, broadcasting for the seventh year. You're listening to All About Guitar with Jeff Lolo, only on L.A. Talk Radio. instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies. Where we take a good look at everything guitar. And sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important. So we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So sit back and relax, and let's explore All About Guitar. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All About Guitar. We have a great show for tonight, and I got a, just a group of great guitarists here. Um, I want to welcome back uh, guest hosting. He's been here. He's a veteran now. <laughs> I can honestly say that. He's a veteran, Jim Stubblefield. Welcome to, thanks for being a guest host on this show and introducing me to our guest tonight. Oh, thank you. And and uh, it's been uh, a real honor to be on here uh, as a guest and as a co-host for so many of the great artists you've had. So thank you. Oh, my, my pleasure. And also, too, from back east, uh, we pulled out Eric Hansen. Eric, thanks for being on the show again. It's great to have you back. Eric? Eric, uh, there, I heard something. Eric, I'm here. Okay, thanks for being on the show. No, we're here. Okay, I'm here. Uh, we're having Skype issues, so hey, bear with us there. Anyway, I, I want to introduce our guest. Uh, he's an amazing player, uh, another great guitarist, and one of the the what I consider a positive. I think uh, what I'm seeing with new guitarists, especially. Uh, like I call new classical, where they're playing a lot of different new styles, whether it's a Latin, flamenco, or whatever. They're integrating a lot of stuff that they've learned from other styles. So he plays, he has a jazz background and a rock background, of course, just like Jim does. And they utilize that and integrate that into their music and what they're doing. And they're doing a lot of interesting things. Um, I'm going to play a clip real quick, and then we'll start in and and talk to Dan. I'm going to play, this is a... I think this is off of an upcoming album. This is you're hearing it here first. It's called Ventura Boulevard, if I'm correct, the name of the album. Yes, that's correct. And this is called Juliana. Take a listen. Thank you. 
great sound. Just a Thank killer, you. killer, killer sound. Now, you stud. Now, it's I can hear the the jazz influence in there, obviously, but. Yeah. You studied, I want to ask you real quick, I want to go into your background a little bit, because you sure. studied both at Berkeley and yes. you studied at the Guitar Institute. Yes. So tell me about Berkeley. How did that influence your music and what did you, uh, what did you pick up from there? Well, Berkeley for me was a great place. Unfortunately, it was at the wrong time for me because when I went to Berkeley, I was about 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I really wasn't into jazz as much. I, I, I grew up listening to it, but at that time... You know, like a 17-year-old kid, I wanted to play rock. Mm-hmm. And I went to Berkeley, and it was so heavy into jazz that um, I felt that I needed to go to a place that was more, uh, you know, what I wanted to play, which is why I left Berkeley, and I went to the Guitar Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. And that fulfilled what you wanted? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, now I wish I could go back to Berkeley uh, and finish there, but um, at the time, it was the right move. And um, I, w- I had many great experiences at, uh, at GIT. I just, I love that school. Well, what got you into the, like, the classical flamenco type of style of playing? Oddly enough, um, I would say it's rock, rock guitar, really. Because really? It, there are parallels between um, rock guitar and classical guitar. Some of the scales, uh, the speed, the virtuosity, of course. Um, you know, I, I wanted to play uh, rock. But really, I got into the nylon string uh, because somebody hired me to play a party, and they said, "Can you do a, a, you know some Latin guitar?" And I was a teenager. I said, "Of course I can." Of course, I didn't know how to play anything. Um, so I, I I accepted the gig, and then I just got a bunch of CDs and kind of learned it. And uh, you know that gig led to another gig, and to another gig, and another gig. And then the more I started doing it, I started realizing, man, this is some great music here. And then. Once you get bitten by that bug, then that's it. It's all it's over. You know, that's that's all I wanted to do at that point. Oh wow, that's pretty amazing. It's it's interesting that that influenced you that way. I've never, but rock covers a lot of different styles, and there was a lot of interesting stuff happening. At, will you give us some of your influences, your rock influences? Early on, guys, you know the shred guys like Steve Vai and um, uh, Joe Satriani. Um, uh, Malmsteen, of course, when he first came out. Um, I was really into pro- a progressive band called D- uh, Dream Theater. I'm sure you guys know. Oh, yeah. I still love those guys. They're great, right? Yeah. Um, Double album out right now. Is That's it? right. Nice. Astonishing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so all that kind of music has so much vir- virtuosity, and I was always a, a guitar geek. You know, I wanted to study, I wanted to play, I wanted to practice. And, um, you know, unfortunately... With that style of music, it's very hard to make a living, uh, you know, playing rock guitar unless you, you know, hit the big time. But um, it's interesting that you can play virtually the same licks with an acoustic guitar and, and a whole other world opens up to you. And people start throwing money at you. Oh, play here, play here. And you're really doing kind of the same stuff. It's funny you say that because people asked me years ago about the same thing. And I said, you know, really, if I took these same exact songs and played that scale material, and I had the guitar tone like a metal sound, people would run screaming from the room. Exactly. But I'm playing the same song, but it's it's like you can... Sh- it's like it is. It's like you can play metal on a nylon string guitar, and it's very... so. I mean, even like traditional flamenco, it's like metal. Yeah. There's, it's just... There's well, something there. Do me a favor. <laughs> pick up your guitar and show us a lick that would be a typical rock lick and how it... How you change it so people get an idea. I think this is interesting. Well, I don't know if this would be a a rock lick, but it would definitely be a shred type of... uh... 
something like that, you know. Oh, <laughs> a lot of delay going on. <laughs> you know, all, all these type of uh, string. Uh, that kind of stuff. That's that's basically an Ingve lick, you know. Oh, okay. But okay. you can you can do it on the nylon and like Jim said, all of a sudden people are like, "Wow, that sounds beautiful." And uh, and you can get away with it. So yeah, why not? I and mean, I'm like, "Wow, that's to me it sounds like flamenco. It doesn't really sound Well, like well, you know the thing is also, and I don't know if Dan will agree or Eric, um, I always find that, you know, if you're a singer and you want to show virtuosity, you'll hit the high notes and or you'll hold a note for a long time. On electric guitar, you'll you'll bend a note and you can hold it. And you can create that drama by just bending a note with a lot of gain. You can't do that on analysis. The notes end before they start, that's practically. Right. That's right. right. So you have to play a lot of notes. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what I've always found uh, that I'm jealous um, about other instruments, including the electric guitar, is that they got that sustain for days. I mean, you can sing. Right. And like Jim said, with the, with the acoustic, especially the nylon string, as soon as you hit it, the, it's a huge attack, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you have to fill up that space, and you fill up the space with more notes. So, well, let's talk a little bit real quick since you brought we have you. I had you pick up your guitar. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this guitar. This is a it's a flamenco negra, and it's made by a great luthier here in Los Angeles. His name is Herman Vasquez Rubio. He's got a great shop down in um, off of Adams, and this is one of the first uh, like real instruments I bought. I think this one was in uh, 2003. I think is the year, <clears throat> and it's been my favorite. I've, I've got many guitars, including others from him. But for some reason, you know, everyone has a guitar that they just love, and it's this one for me. What's the, what's the woods? It's, what's it's, the back and sides? Back and sides is Indian rosewood, and it's a spruce top. Yeah, and it's got uh, it's got Sloan uh, Sloan tuners, which Eric Hansen turned me on to. Yes, he, the the best. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, is that the guitar that we heard on um, Juliana? It is. That's the one. That's a nice sound. It's yeah, and really... it, you know what's interesting, too, is that um, on this new album, I used all the acoustics is this guitar, but all my previous um, albums, were, it, I've never used this guitar in the studio. It was always a classical guitar, full body. But on this one, because I was going for a more of a jazz type of sound, the cutaway, and something about it just really lended to the music, so I used it for the whole album. Okay, would you de- would you describe that as? I mean, it's bright; it really cuts through. But part of that's your settings. But does it get like a mellow? Do you use it? Is it? Do you think the rosewood gives it a real? Mellow? It does. It, it does. In fact, um, I mean, you were hearing it through the uh, through the pedal board. But if you went just through the mic, uh, it gets a really dark, really dark sound. A dark sound. Yeah. Yeah. So do me a favor and just play a little bit like a, maybe a, a jazz chord comp thing, just to get a feel of the how deep and rich that is. I'm pulling up the microphone. Nice. Now that's got a real yeah, that's got yeah. a real nice balanced sound. What's the pickup on there? This is the RMC uh, pickup. RMC. Yeah. Because it's it's really that's that's under the bridge, right? It's under the bridge. It's the uh, the six six uh, individual pickups, mm-hmm. um, and this one was uh, installed by Let me grab a yeah. Of that. Who installed that? Norik Rensen at Rensen Guitar, and yep. what he did on this one actually is you know I, I'm not a fan of nice guitars that that are cut on the side and then they put all the electronics on the side. I'm not a fan of that. The big plastic box yeah, on the side of the guitar. Just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with that if it's a you know, lower-priced instrument and it's very convenient. 
but on a really nice instrument, you know, where it's got beautiful wood like this. Well, that was put in after the fact. It right? was it was put in after the fact, but what he actually did um, is he installed the whole system in the guitar. So he took the uh, the external preamp and, and rated out the uh, the circuit board and That's exact, ma- mounted yeah. it inside the guitar. That's exactly what he did. The the downside is I don't have control over the the tone and the volume. I just have to leave it all. So the EQ is just set flat because usually because in my guitars that at RMCs there's a mid a bass and a treble so you just have those just the unity or something that's right they're yeah. they're completely flat and i think i have the volume all the way up uh, and then i just use my pedal board to control the the eq and the volume jumps and all that and for those people who on who are on facebook who saw the pedal board i posted they probably need to know that you're not running your nylon string guitar through all those pedals so you want <laughs> no, to you want to, no, you want no. to explain uh, your pedal board yes yes what i have here is um well this pedal board in particular is is a kind of a Frankenstein board that's half acoustic, half electric. I do a lot of electric playing, and I don't want to have to take around two pedal boards. I used to have to take around two pedal boards and two amplifiers. And, um, you know, I got tired of carrying around so much stuff, so I tried to put everything down into one. Uh, and that's what this is right now. I'm using a uh, effects uh, switching system so that, um, you know, the the signal is clean. I'm, it, it's, a, it's a bypass system where where um, not all the, the effects are not on all at the same time. So I can actually take the effects out of the chain um, and only use what I need. Uh, it's not being run in, you know, in line. Uh, you know, the more effects you use, obviously, the, your tone gets degraded. So that, that uh, GEC9 is, is allowing you to bypass. It's set up for loops, right? Yes, yes. And, and another, uh, a big, another big reason that I like it is um, you, you can uh, switch a lot... Uh, multiple pedals on and off with just one uh, preset and i'll give you an example right here um problem i always have when i play with bands is i have a lead sound and i have a rhythm sound and um, my lead sound i like to use a lot of delay a lot of reverb i'll, I'll give it to you right here this is the lead sound I okay have. i'll play something slow so you can hear like the tone We have a lot of uh, a lot of delay, a lot of this kind of singing tone. I'm using this wet reverb, which is really nice. Of course, now if I wanted to go into a rhythm type of comping tone, this would be way too much effects and, and nonsense. So what I need to do is cut all that off, switch to another reverb, and drop my volume. So what I do with a sw- switch of a button as I turn the delay off, I turn off this big reverb, and I go to another setting that has a shorter reverb and also compressor, and I get this. Let me turn this. So I can, I can, okay. So I can go from this big tone. Oh, <laughs> oh that's cool. That's the wrong one. <laughs> Octaves. Wrong button. All that right to this. Oh, wrong button. Now, let me ask you: When you play live, and you're, you use both electric and, and acoustic, right? Yes. Use. Do you plug both of them in simultaneously into the board, or do you... No, I, what I do is I just quickly unplug one and plug the other one in. Sometimes I'll use an A-B box um, if I need to really do some quick changes, but most of the time I can get away with just 
unplugging one and plugging in the other. And what electric do you use? I, I use the different ones depending on what the gig is. Um, I brought my hollow body today um, if I'm doing more of a jazz type of gig. I also use a Strat if it's more of a pop type of gig. You know, mm-hmm. Those are my, mm-hmm. my main go-tos. Uh, the Strat I really like because it's a... Uh, you could pretty much get any type of sound with it. It's a, such a versatile guitar, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm particular to the hollow body though, because I like the flat round strings, and I just like the feel of the, you know, the big sustain that a hollow body has. It's it's almost in between a, an electric guitar and an acoustic. So for so me, so you're using you're using flat one on a pretty a heavier gauge yes, on the jazz. Yes, so yes. Not a lot of bending on that. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> no it's uh, now. I'm trying to remember the. There is a clip that we have here. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one where you go, you do a lead uh, that's electric. Is okay. that skin the? Is that skin the cat? That might be, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's play skin the cat, yeah. and we'll talk a little bit. And if you can pull out the jazz guitar, yeah. let's take a look at that sure. one, and you can hear what he's doing, how he has that set up on the yep. system. So this is skin the cat. <laughs> back and uh hold on one second i want to make sure uh i went back to skype on uh eric we lost hey guys him. you hear me there we there go he is. there he is okay he's back uh, okay uh real quick then um uh you had a question while he's uh uh dan brought out his jazz guitar so you had a question that we lost you because the call was dropped i think eric just wanted to probably make a couple comments um and we had lost him go ahead eric <laughs> Eric? I hear you guys okay now. Okay, it's a little bit you. low quality, but I do hear you. Yeah. Okay, Eric, what was the comments that you wanted to say? Because we missed that. Um, I was going to ask Dan if he had any problems with feedback using the uh, RME, RMC pickup. Uh, actually, no, I, I, I don't. Um, it, to me, it's been the, the system that's been the most feedback uh, resistant out of any system that I've used. And I've done you know gigs with uh, drummers, loud, loud, almost rock-type gigs. And uh, I really, I don't think I've ever had a major feedback issue ever with the RMC. A lot of it is the EQ settings, of course, you know, rolling out the lows and all that. But mm-hmm. it's a very stable pickup. It's it's one of my favorites. It sounds great. I mean, it, it, it cuts, but it's not, too, you know, and it's balanced. I'm getting a balanced sound from them. It's not too tough. You know, thumpy or too clacky. Now, Eric, you were mentioning something about get, having some guitars restored um, with Vasquez. Is that the same guy that Dan, built Dan's guitar? I'm sorry, guys. I'm not hearing you very clearly. It's cutting in and out, almost like a noise gate is engaging or something. Okay. Uh, try to say it again. What he was asking was the, uh, the you were talking about Vasquez uh, doing some uh, restorations on some guitars. Was uh, Vasquez the guy that was that made this? Is that what you said? That made this guitar. I think Eric was interested in uh, in having Vasquez do some re- restoration on Eric's guitars, and it, oh, okay. and it might have just been an interesting coincidence. I, I think it is the same Vasquez because I know he does do a, a lot of restorations. I've I've been down to the shop and I see all kinds of you know guitars, uh, Maldonados and and other guitars that are not his, and I know he's 
he, I can speak from experience because I've actually destroyed this guitar twice uh, in cases, and he's completely rebuilt it twice. Yeah, well, tell wow. me, t- what, ha- what have you fixed on that? Because it looks like brand new. <laughs> well, I made the mistake, and I'll tell everybody right now, do not carry your acoustic in a, in a gig bag. And I'm yeah. speaking from experience. And what happened when, on this particular guitar is I was carrying it in a gig bag, uh, you know, they're so convenient and they're light and you want to use them. But um, what happened is I put it down and it hit, ah. the, it hit the pin. It hit the, the strap button where the, where the pickup is. And all that energy hit the button and it went through the guitar. It actually split like this. You can't, the, you can't tell. He's, he's pointing all the way to the side of it, the guitar. It was, it was so bad that I could open it up and look inside. And, wow. and the worst thing about it was I, I, it was at a recording session. And I didn't know until I got to the studio opened up my case and it was split in half <laughs> wow yeah so that wasn't so good luckily i had my other my other guitar and i used that for the session well, it, but it's interesting because there's a friend of mine that had a, a, a his nylon string guitar in a soft shell case and the zipper failed and the guitar fell out of the case it hit where the strap button is and all the kerfing yeah. on the inside of the guitar the kerfing exploded and came off oh yeah oh. yes please guys Fellow guitarist, hard, hard shell, hard shell, and and um, what I found, um, um, what I'm using here is a BAM case. So there are there are, are alternatives because you don't want to be carrying around a big, huge uh, clunker, you know, if you're traveling. Um, one time, I remember I had to, I had to, I was uh, on a flight date and uh, I was going through customs and I had to literally run across the Washington D.C. airport with this huge uh, uh, hard shell case. I was so out of breath by the time I got to my gate. I thought, okay, we've got to fix this. I can't use a gig bag, but I don't want to use these huge cases anymore. So I did some research and bam, cases seem to be um, one of the, the better cases. Lightweight, but super protective. And they're a French company, right? They are. They are. And you carry those on the playing with you yeah, they're carry on they're right? carry on cases yeah. i think one time i had to gate check it but usually i can get it on not yeah. a problem not a problem yeah well let's talk a little bit grab your jazz guitar yeah. and let's talk a little about but this guitar this is a beautiful mm-hmm. guitar it's a thinner body than what i've seen yeah. for a, a typical jazz guitar yes yes all right i'm gonna take a picture of that yes. while he's holding that in front of me hold on a second bear with me it's hard to focus this. Okay, because I'm not using flash. That is that sunburst is beautiful. Right. Do me a favor and flip it to the back so yeah. you can see the back is, is beautiful. Is that a George Benson model or it is it is not. It's actually um one of the um I think it's one of the I think it's called an art star. So it's one of the top of the line um Ibanez hollow bodies, but it's not a signature series. Nice. Yeah. It's, I like it. It it's 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 not as bulky as some of the big jazz boxes. Yeah, which, some yeah, yeah, you know, some of those are they're so wide that they're uncomfortable to play, especially if you're standing up. This one actually is very comfortable. To play. It looks like it's all flame maple. It is. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It yeah, it is. And uh, and then it has like uh, abalone. The inlays there's like an abalone with pearl. Yes, in the middle that's of correct. It. Yes, beautiful. Yes. Well, plug that in. Let's hear. I a think bit it of is. This. I don't think I'm on though. Let's see. You should be. Okay. Okay, so uh, one thing I want to mention real quick is what I have here on my board is um, a pedal called The Blonde by a company called Tech 21. Um, and what it is is it's, it's a, basically it's a um, Fender amp simulator. And now I do have a Fender amp that I love to use. It's just like 
I don't like to carry it. It's it's so heavy and you know it's great for certain gigs, but if you're just doing a quick little thing in and out, you know you're trying to scale down your rig. So I'm I'm using this blonde, and it does a very good job. I get a great kind of fendery uh, tone, and I have it set up on my system here where I can with a switch of a button I turn it on and I turn off the Fishman Aura that I'm using for mm -hmm. um, for the acoustic, and I can get this great jazz tone right away. Definitely hear the flat wounds. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Is that now those? That's just stock. You didn't do anything new. Yeah, that's just stock. Yeah. It's just the same. Yeah, just, the just tone stock. of that is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's no amp. You're just going direct. Yeah. 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 He's just direct into the board. Now, but when you record your album, when you did your album, you use, did you use amps or did you? Use I do. Amps? I have a Fender um, Deville that I that I used um, for most of it. Some some stuff I did do direct. But um, there's no there's no um, alternative for a real amp. It's just that not every gig needs it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it mm -hmm. becomes a it, it's a you're not sure if it, how do I say it? Um, is it worth it? Is the gig worth it? I guess you know. Yeah. Not not every gig is. No, unfortunately. I, I hear you. I hear you. But if you can do it and control it live through the using the pedal board, I mean that's. The secret, I think, Incendio's got it down. I mean, the way they use their pedal boards. And then, like, JP, he's using synthesizer guitar, and he's doing a lot of right. elaborate stuff, and it still right. is consistent. It works really well. I mean, right. that's the way to go. That's the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping one day I can just show up to a gig with, like, my iPad and just plug into that and get great sounds. I think well, it's there's coming. There's a few people doing that, but, yeah, it, it, it can be done. It's, it's getting there for sure. It's getting there. I know there's issues with latency and stuff like that, but... Eventually, I think it's going to that. You know, yeah. I, I see keyboard players that they show up with a laptop and a keyboard, and that's it. You know, so or an iPad and a, an iPad. Yeah, and I, a I have a full Mellotron in my iPad. Yeah, I'm wearing my Mellotron shirt today. <laughs> but I mean, it's yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's getting it's, there. It's pretty. It's, but you know what? These pedals are so much fun too. I mean, come on, it's just yeah. Because I mean, there was I don't, buttons. There's like the Line Six guitars and things like that. But it's like to me, it's like the whole point is having like all these guitars. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that there is no one guitar that does it all. You have yeah. to have more than one. Yes, I agree. I mean, and that, that's what I tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It really is. If you're trying to get as a, at playing sessions and stuff where I would be called to do this or that, you know, I had to bring I used to bring like nine guitars with me all the time. Sure. And that would cover whatever they want because they didn't tell you what they wanted necessarily. So I had to bring a couple of 12 strings, yeah. couple of six strings, a Fender, a Gibson, and then a couple of different amps to get all the different sounds. Yes. So it's important. Uh, Dan, let's go through your – I want to go through your pedal board because sure. this is a very cool pedal board. <laughs> I mean, he's got some great toys in here. I do. Let's I do. hear some sounds. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. You never know when you're going to need this sound. That's the Ottawa. <laughs> which, which pedal is that? Which one? Uh, it's called the... Uh, um, oh, Mad Professor. Mad Professor Snow White. 
if I had room to put a um, a full wall, I would. I just I ran out of space, so I had to go with the auto wall. Well, what's that uh, red pedal? Oh, this is just a volume pedal. Oh, okay. Mission mission volume pedal. I have this um, this great distortion called a dual fusion, which is actually two distortions in one. Actually, three because you can stack the two together. So. Like the low gain, and that's a that's a wampler. It's a wampler. I think it has this. I I don't do too much high gain stuff, but it does have a higher. Wampler head definitely gets that nice right. distortion. And then I think you can combine the two together for like a super. <laughs> almost too much distortion for this guitar but now what do you use if if you wanted to get like that kind of uh that west montgomery where it's just a little bit of breakup what would you use oh okay so what i would do with that is um use this um the amp the amp similar uh, pedal that i have and then just the the blonde and then turn up the drive a little bit You can hear it. The, the, the just the, a little bit of the tubbiness, almost. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. So what else you got on here? You got some other cool. I stuff. got. Let me let me switch to the other guitar real quick. I'll show you. That Ibanez is sweet. That's a sweet guitar. Oh yeah. You never. You never, Jim. You never got a, a jazz. Uh, I I had a guild uh, a guild jazz jazz guitar, um, which I sold, of course, years ago, as most guitar players do. I sell a guitar to buy another guitar. Of course. But lately, I've kept all my guitars now, so I've got a lot. Everything you have is solid body now. Oh, they're all solid body, yeah. other than a bunch of nylon strings and a steel string. So, but I need. I, that's what. That's on my list is to get a real nice jazz box. This this is a pedal I use actually quite a lot. It's the it's an octave pedal, and it, it's a it's actually a low octave and a high octave, and I use it a lot for Latin type of things because um, you know um, to simulate a twelve string um, type of effect, it works really great for Montuno lines stuff mm-hmm. like something mm-hmm. like this. I would use it. A high and a low. Cool. You never yeah. thought it's, it tracks music. well too. Yeah, it's like the piano player doing his two hands. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and that actually works great for like Middle Eastern stuff too. I mean, I play with uh, some Persian artists, and if you do like a type of Middle Eastern scale, like a. Kind of get that sitar. It almost gives that, a metallic sound yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It sounds like that. I mean, uh, one of the instruments I heard that gets that sound is that 
the Godin makes that oud. They have oh, yes, oud. yes, it's, yes. It's that That's scary, though. There's no frets, right, on that thing? It's Yeah, so you can slide in, but it gets that sound. I think this... Uh, this uh, Octavius is going to be on uh, Jim's uh, next <laughs> pedal board. Uh, I, I, when I, I heard that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. That is like you, uh, you add that to a Phrygian mode, and you're just like, you're yeah. And, and the nice thing is you can, you know, if you only want the low octave, you can do that, too, you know, and kind of do a, the Aldi meal. Uh, now, that's an octave down. Do that's you, just... Uh, when do you use the octave up? Um... I don't think I've ever used the octave up by itself. Okay. It's kind of... But I use them both together. Oh, you can do... You can do both at the same time. That's, that's the main setting I use. What's the SP? Besides, I have the um, I have the the exotic um, EP booster. Okay, I have a couple of those, and I, that looks like the same company. It is. It's the same company. This is the compressor, though. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, we were talking before about um, about gain, about uh, what to use um, to to switch between rhythm and lead sounds. Mm-hmm. What I've been doing now is using a compressor. So I use because the compressor has a variable gain. So I set the compressor with the gain a little bit lower. Uh, so I can drop down my my volume, and that's what I'm using now. As a as a, instead of using a boost or a cut pedal, I'm just using a compressor. Oh wow! So so it, when you're getting your gain structure at the board, say you you give them your uncompressed sound for your for your lead. Exactly. I, I never use compression on my lead, only on the rhythm. That's kind of cool because mm-hmm. then when you're digging in on the rhythm. Um, Obviously, the compressor is a friendly compressor. It doesn't squash the sound like nothing against Ingve, but his oh, nylon gosh. string through the Dynacomp sound. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because one of the guys that used a lot of compressed uh, classical guitar, and it actually worked. It was really musical. Was Peter White? I don't know if you remember. He mm-hmm. played with Al Stewart, mm-hmm. but a lot of his stuff that he was playing on a lot of the Al Stewart stuff that was a really heavy. I, I think that's probably Alan Parsons. You know, as the engineer producer, but it was an interesting sound. It was a different. Well, sound. well, and that's what I talk about. There was a whole era of smooth jazz, like nylon string guitar, where the sound was that kind of direct, compressed, solid body nylon string. Where actually, if it was well done, it was its own sound. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very, very, very. Cool. You know, you could hear that it wasn't a mic guitar. You yeah. could hear that it was direct, but it was okay. And other other people had better results. Sometimes it was nasty, but some of the better better stuff out there, it was like okay, that's that's its own sound. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, these are the two main axes that you use live. Do you use anything else? Actually, yeah. Um, uh, most of the time I've been using lately is a Godin guitar, um, strictly for the convenience, um, because um, I can, I can, you know, it's the same size as an electric, and I can, I have a double case where I can put my. Is that strat- an electric or is that a nylon? It's string? a nylon. nylon. Yeah, it's a nylon, but it's it's the body shape is like an electric. It's the same uh, dimensions. Um, so it's a lot easier to travel with. And also, you know, when you have very nice guitars, like these handmade guitars, you don't want to take them to every gig, you know, there's right. always a chance that something's going to happen. It has to be the right performance. 
And, uh, you know. Now, is the Godan stock, or did you put this RMC system in it? The, the Godan actually comes with the RMC system stock, oh, okay. which is why I picked it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's one of those type of guitars that if something happened to it at a gig, I'm not going to be crying about it, you know? Yeah, right. in fact, I was talking to, uh, I think it was UC Wenger recently, and yeah. he has an eight string that was built, and I think at one of his gigs, somebody knocked it over yeah. and cracked it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's like, oh, I get another eight string. I'll just go to Guitar Center and get another eight exactly. string nylon string yeah, guitar. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But you know, it's always a fine line because you don't want to. You want to perform with something you're comfortable with too. You don't want to play something that doesn't feel right. So you got to, you know, the, the Godans I think are a, a very solid instrument. But you know, you can find them anywhere. If something happens, right, go right. to Guitar Center. They're, they're, they're consistent. They're yeah. made yeah. and they're consistent. And, and let me just throw this in. I mean, I think for I think for kind of a really great. I'm going to say up and coming, but he's been at it for a while. Is is Jorge de Sofia because he's building these phenomenal, um, you know, Florentine cutaway guitars and. Uh, um, you know, normal, traditional, you know, nylon string guitars out of Florida. And Eric has a couple, and I have one. And they're just incredible guitars. Yeah, it's a great And they're great. super lightweight. Um, they, they're loud as all get out. And, um, um, you, know, you know, Eric just recently installed a, a Carlos VIP in, uh, in my uh, Brazilian Rosewood guitar. And it's just great. And, and then he, I had two Maldonados that had RMCs in them. And uh, I mailed those to Eric. And he pulled the, the RMCs out and put the VIPs in. Although the RMCs are fantastic, um, I just found that um, I just found that you know once I once I got the dialed in VIP sound, I was like right on. Yeah. But that's the quest. I mean, we're all looking for that tone that we just want. We want our guitars to sound. But is the Sophia? Do you feel comfortable? Is that you feel comfortable taking that on a live gig? Is it sturdy enough to? To take a beating because that's a special. Guitar. I, I think I think JDZ guitars and beating in the same sentence is probably not something I want to experience. Um, can you I, guys hear me? Yeah, yeah there, there you go, there he is. Eric. Okay, yeah, very good. Uh, I can attest to the beating part. <laughs> uh, I take Jorge's guitars to gigs six nights, seven nights a week, and uh, they hold up fine. I've been in all kinds of environments of uh, humid and cold and warm and you name it, and uh, it it's uh, kicking butt every night. That's awesome. And and you were using the RMC for a while, and and you had Norik Renson. You mailed your guitars from Florida to Norik to have him do some adjustments, and and uh, but you ended up in the end just uh, going with the VIP, right? Yeah, the RMC just wasn't natural enough for me, and uh, I never really had the bass strings balanced out with the trebles as much as I'd like. Interesting. So I just kind of gave up on it. Interesting. Well, Dan's got a phenomenal sound in here, so. <laughs> So I'm jealous of his well, all of, uh, you of guys, his all you guys do. of his I mean, success you know. with the RMC. <laughs> but it's interesting because I, I mean Ben Woods had said the same thing. He uses a Cordoba, Cordoba Live, but it's consistent and he doesn't have to worry about it. I mean I would be nervous with with your Sophia. I'd be scared because somebody would try to take it. Well, you know? my my Maldonados are more expensive now to buy than the De Sofias. They're about half as much the De Sofias to the Maldonados now. Yeah, Eric, you want to address that? You, you, you're not afraid to take your JDZs out. <laughs> no, I take them out, but I I never you know leave them unattended either. If I'm going to get my car to, to load out, I take the guitar with me to the car and I unload my gear, but I don't unload the guitar. I always keep it with me. 
So I just don't give anybody a chance to rip me off in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but Dan, Dan, you said recently, like you were saying, you've been using the Godan just because you don't want to take the. the... I, yeah, I've gotten to the point where you know certain gigs, you just you don't want to worry. I, when I take my Godan, I just leave it on the stand. I go, I go get a coffee. I come back. Right. It's, if and, it's not there. But also too, if you're playing locally, yes, yeah, that's different than when you're flying. Well, but you know there that is too. a philosophy that I have that if the gig, it's like, do I want to take a you know seven thousand dollar guitar to a gig where I'm making a hundred and fifty bucks. Right. It's exactly. like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean at the same time you want your sound. That's a that's the trick. That's the now trick. when you when you play also too, you you don't always bring the jazz guitar. Would you bring the strat if you, if yes. you had to go down if you're playing a place where it's you know you if I was doing more of a pop type of gig, yeah, definitely. Because the strat, you know only a strat can do the strat sound. Nobody else can do that out of phase kind of stratty sound better than a strat. So, and oh, okay. A lot of times you got to have that. Now, have you ever used anything else besides the archtop jazz? Have you used like a three thirty five? A lot of guys would use that as a crossover. Before. No, you know what? To be honest with you, um, I've been using these uh, this guitar mainly because um, so many of my heroes are playing the the Ibanez guitars, like Benson, uh, Pat Metheny, Schofield, mm-hmm. all these guys. Uh, at one point, we're using the Gibson, and, and Robin Ford was using Ibanez for a while. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and they've all gone over to the Ibanez. So I thought there's something going on with the Ibanez. If all these great musicians are using them, there's got to be something about it. And then I got one. I was like, oh, I, I, now I see why. You know, they're just yeah. right out of the box, sound fantastic. Well, they're you know, they're they're one of the few guys that are making a decent jazz guitar without you know taking you to the bank. Yeah, I mean, hey, right. you know, I thought. It, it'd be, could, it might be nice to ask Dan about the recording of his new record and ask like about his miking. Uh, well, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, and what he used for if he used any plugins for compression or any you know if you recorded the guitars at your own studio. Did, did yeah, you, I, I did everything at my studio, and um, I just went straight with the fifty seven fifty seven on the on the um, on the Fender. I tried using a condenser. I tried using both. Um, of course, I always took a direct line too, just in case I need it. And then oftentimes I ended up using blending in some of the direct signal too. Um, for your electrics? For the electrics, yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, for the classicals, what did you do? I used um, these the, the two guitars that I have made by Herman Vasquez Rubio, and I'm running those through a Neumann U87 a mic uh, through an Avalon Mic Pre. And just straight, I record everything no EQ, no compression. Um, mono? Mono. Okay. Yeah. Mono. Sometimes How did you find the top end on the Neumann? I used an 87 for a while. I found it kind of dull sounding in the top end. Well, I are guess, you finding that as well? Or? I guess it depends on the guitar. Uh, my guitars are very bright, so I think it probably works for something like that. I don't use um, Cypress guitars. If I, if, I may, you know, if I had a different type of guitar, maybe not. I found that, um, you know, I've gone to other studios where they well, they use like a small diaphragm condenser and it sounds great. I mean, I've, I've been to a studio where they threw up an AKG 414 and it sounded great. So I guess it depends um, on the positioning. I think the room sometimes the, the, plays a part of it as exactly. well. Right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. The, the room, the positioning. You know, the problem that, that I have, um, and I'm sure we all have when, when we record our own sound, is that we can't listen in through the speakers. We have to listen with the headphones, yeah. and the headphones is not an accurate mix. So oftentimes you got to... You got to move the mic and then listen, record something, go back and listen. Okay, move exactly. the mic again. It's kind of a pain. So um, I'm always, uh, I love going to a studio when I have an engineer because they, they get it right from the start. Right, right. Well, I want to ask all you guys uh, have you ever tried using um, two mics, using a ribbon and then also a condenser? So you get the top end and you get the fullness of the ribbon. Have you guys tried that experiment? I've with never that? tried that. No. 
Eric, what you, you were experimenting? Yeah, Eric, t- tell us about your mic uh, mic experiences. I've I've done um, a three mic position where I've had two Earthworks SR30s and an XY, and then a Neumann TLM103 kind of in the center, and it kind of creates a gigantic, huge sound field of the guitar, and then you just kind of mix it the way you want it, almost like you would mix a mid side type, so you can bring the the X and Y mics up and down if you want it wider. And the TLM is basically the center of the sound. Right. Um, uh, I haven't done that recently. I've been trying to record more with just one mic these days. Uh, and right now I'm getting really good results either with the, the TLM 103 or the Shopes CMC6. I think that's right. Right, Jim? I think you have one of those, right? Uh, yeah. And I think uh, I, I, I've been experimenting with it, trying to put the kind of fairly far from the guitar, like a foot away. Hmm. Yeah. You, sh- you should let the yeah, guitar yeah, breathe. You should. Yeah. That's what it's meant to do. Is resonant. What, anyway. what about you, Dan? I mean, are, do you do you close mic? Yeah. I close mic. I'm probably about six inches to a foot. I would say. That's not bad. Uh, it, again, it depends on your guitar how loud it is acoustically, but um, that's generally where you know the, the range that I try to be in. Yeah. Well, one of the things is when you record at home, unless your house is really soundproofed and stuff. That's one of the reasons I think people tend to close mic more because the dogs barking <laughs> in the right. backyard and. That's Whereas right, in yeah. a studio, you can pull it out, you know, but you pull a mic about three feet away from a guitar in a really good room. Yeah. There's nothing like that, especially, yeah. you know, acoustic guitar. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know the classical guys, uh, they, they go and record in a, in a church and they have the mics super far away. And then the reverb you hear is all natural church reverb. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it re- it, there's a, there is something to be said. You got to give a little more distance to get those low frequencies from the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes you know the wavelength takes a little longer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I did. We had a show on um, on the Flow Guitar where, where Mojave Audio was here, mm-hmm. and they had a condenser and they brought their 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 uh, they're owned by Royer, so they brought a Royer ribbon and they put it on my twelve string and they had the Royer near the bottom of the guitar. And the Mojave up near the neck, and it just was huge. Yeah. I mean, it just sounded. Which Mojave microphone was it? Which one? Uh, it was the seven hundred dollar one. I remember it was seven hundred dollars, <laughs> but it was like a, a a large diaphragm condenser. I think there was only okay. one. Okay, it, it not the MA two hundred, right? I don't the think MA, so. it's a different model since that one came out. Well, it was so over. It was a year and a half ago, awesome. but it was it had a great smooth top end. But the Royer yeah, exactly. with it just gave yeah. it, it just, they blended well together. It was really interesting. So uh, I'm just throwing that out. But I mean, I couldn't, I mean, I had a, a Giannini Craviola 12 string, rosewood, spruce top, and it just was rich. Yeah. It was a huge, now I know, like, for example, with uh, Incendio, you guys are, you got a lot of guitars, you got two, you know, you got two leads going on at a time. So the, I know the mono source, it makes it easier to kind of set it in the mix. But if you're playing like a solo thing or something, it's that stereo. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a great point. I mean, um, you have to take into account what other instruments are happening. And um, I've been doing mono lately. I, at first, I tried experimenting with the XY, and but it just got hard to mix. Once you start building the tracks and you have a lot of percussion, a lot of bass, a lot of things going on, mono always just I totally agree. Just cuts right totally through. Right, 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 right. We have to make room for it. You got to so design it. On, on some of the new clips you sent me for your new record, are the, are, are a number of those like gal, the uh, the galleon? Are those a mono guitar? Because it's a fabulous sound. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was just this Shopes, I think, um, pointed more or less about a foot, foot and a half away from the sound hole. If you can believe that. Off angle uh, or because. No, it's pretty much at a, you know, facing directly at it. I was surprised that it was working as good as it did because the, the, the guitar I was using, the Ruck, 
does kind of explode out around 220. But I just pulled that out in the EQ a little bit, and it smoothed it right out. And I was pretty happy with the size of the guitar. Wow, because I, I know what you're saying. It sounds big for a mono signal, but yeah, and because know. I know, obviously, if you're recording a solo fingerstyle piece, and that's the only thing that people are going to hear, you can go crazy with mics and distance. But if you've got a track, yeah, well, you don't want do your guitar to sound like it's for a solo guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I read once. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, that Vicente Amigo only uses one mic, and one of my favorite pieces from him is a solo piece called Cordoba. And um, I heard that was just one mic, and I, I was blown away that it's just one guitar, one mic, and sounds the s- like it's one mic. Sound was I've huge. analyzed that piece a lot <laughs> as well, trying to figure out the kind of sound he's getting. Isn't that an incredible that sound? Pretty much like a very centered mic. Yeah, it's the reverb that makes it sound enormous. It sounds huge. So if you, right, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of the earlier stuff, I mean, all the Segovia stuff was obviously one mic because it was mono. Yeah. And I think even some of the earlier players, like Christopher Parkening and stuff, I don't think I think they just use like a. A good size, probably yeah. a rhythm. So it gets stereoized through the the reverb. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Wow. Correct. Well, I may rethink how I do it because I was going to get all like because I got a couple match pair of Sheps that I was going <laughs> to use, and I and I'm like because my last album I recorded with a forty thirty three the whole album except one song, and I used just one mic, mm-hmm. and and later at the end of the process I I got this match pair of Sheps and. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll do it. Eric and Dan are saying maybe well, I'll just I, try I would, one mic. <laughs> well, I, I recommend too. Uh, you know what Dan was saying: find a church and play in an acoustic environment. I mean, yes. it's kind of cool because you can do it. You know, even with a small hand recorder, the fidelity is there. Like if you're running line, if you're using a good preamp and stuff, you know, line in digital bits or digital bits. But I mean, it. You know getting a room out of that and, and using a couple of, you know, getting a little bit of ambience, not necessarily stereo miking, but you know what I mean? Like you have one mic at, you know, fairly close, but then you get the room, the reverb, like especially of a church. It's yeah. a cool sound. Yeah, absolutely. Nudge, nudge. I mean, I, I, I'm a big, I'm from the old school. We used to use the mic. It's all about the, the room. Yeah. <laughs> got to get those rooms. <laughs> Recorded yeah. a castle. Well, the problem is like you were saying, with a home studio, you have a, soundproof so i'm recording everything in the room that i also mix in the room is extremely dead yeah so i get nothing i'm relying totally on the mic to get the capture of the sound and yeah. no room at all right. and then all the impulse responses from your reverb plugins or whatever yes yes yeah yeah it's a little yeah if you have a good room and you have ambience it, it's something you have to take into account and like your your way the way you arrange it you have to give the arrangement room for your guitar to be big it, yeah you know if you got you know, a bunch of percussion, brass, whatever it is, bunch of keyboards. You can't get that big. You know, it'll it'll fight it a little bit. Yeah, you gotta well. put it. So I, I totally agree. I mean, there's there's uses for both the single point mic and the other, but it's fun. I mean, I'm a big fan of psychoacoustics, so I like playing around with the room and right. spatial. Well, as I told you guys, we're already out of time. Oh man! So oh. I really want to get real quick. I want to go through everybody what you're doing and what's coming up. We'll start with Jim. Um, I'm just I'm just back in the studio working on my next project, trying to learn from all these great musicians like Dan and Eric, and 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 let some of it rub off on me. Um, and my album, my last album, Encantado, is up for a few awards, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, congratulations on that. It's really doing well. It's it's rated high on. I mean, on Amazon, it's like one of the top. It, it's it's doing great, and that's enough about me. Uh, Eric, uh, we're gonna have uh, Eric on in June, so we put the screws to him that he has to finish his album by June. But anyway. He's just, no pressure. That's good. Eric. I need a fire. <laughs> but uh, yeah, current projects in its you know closing stages. I've, I've just, the writing's done. I'm just getting the tunes recorded. It's just a slow pace because of all the gigs I have. Uh, but I've got about six six out of eleven tunes recorded. 
the guitar parts at least. And oh, okay. uh, I've been bouncing them off Jim as I go. And and uh, but by Amazing. Jim, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. Okay. No, and that's cool. And then you're playing around. You're playing locally over in in Florida, correct? Correct. Yeah, and okay. I'll be flying out in March to to sit in with him. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah, yep. I hope you guys video that. I'd like to see. Yeah, that well, hopefully video. we will. And then, okay, Dan, um, when's Ventura Boulevard coming out? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know myself. Um, the album is finished. We're just finishing up the the artwork and the the design, but um, it should be done within a month or so. Within a month. Okay. Yeah. So keep an eye out for Ventura Boulevard. We played two clips from it, Juliana and Skin the Cat. I'm going to close now. I want to thank all you guys for being on. It's just a really, it's a blast always having you guys on. I always learn something new, new pedals, new mics, <laughs> new guitars, new pickups. I wish the show was like three hours yeah. long. And dancistos.com, <laughs> right? That's where they keep Dancistos.com. Yes. Uh, Jim's at guitarexotica.com. Eric's at ericguitar.com, if I'm correct, That's right? Correct. Yep. I got everybody correct. right. E-R-I-C. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, yeah, no, uh, it just means that you have to come back because there's. I can never do one show with a person. There's yeah. just too much to learn. Oh my god! So we definitely have to have you back, and Great. Uh, we'll definitely go into more about you know after the albums out and stuff. We should have you come back, and well, we'll have you back. Hopefully, you'll be in town when we do um, Eric's show. So Great. we can have you hang out with us. Wonderful. Anyway, I'm going to leave us with Toma Ke Toma, and this is from the Road to Euphoria album, which is out. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, all the major outlets. Yeah, uh, a beautiful song. Thank you, guys. All of you, hang on. Eric, I'll talk to you after the, the music ends. Everybody have okay. a great night. Enjoy this. This is a great song. Mm-hmm. 